Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14, verse 6. John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 6. A very familiar passage of Scripture. I want to talk to you this morning about thank God for Jesus. Amen? Thank God for Jesus. Boy, without Jesus, you, you think we're in a world of hurt now. Just imagine what it'd be like without Jesus. Mm, can't imagine. Can't imagine. You know, in his presence there is fullness of what? Joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And that's not dependent on your circumstances either. You walk in proper fellowship with the Lord, he's going to bless. You're going to experience his joy. You're going to experience his, his blessing in your life. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Okay, I'm going to read uh, starting in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus says to his disciples. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. In the way that I go and where I go, you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not where you're going, and how can we know the way? Here's our text this morning. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goeth unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Our, our text this morning, verse 6, Jesus said unto Thomas, I am the way, comma, the truth, comma, and the life, colon. No man cometh or goeth to the Father but by me. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. This past Wednesday night, we had business meeting, and we were reading all of our reports and different things, our membership report, our attendance reports, and our financial reports, being uh, transparent and providing accountability for the body of Christ. But when we got to that membership report, we were reminded again in testimony what the Lord has done among us in April, May, and June. As, as a matter of fact, it goes back just a little bit further than that. We started at the end of February into a 40-day season of fasting. And we said, Lord, we want to have some breakthroughs. We want to have some breakthroughs in our life. We want to have some breakthroughs personally. We want to have some breakthroughs in the church, in our church life, in our services. We like to see some people get saved that we've been praying for. And so we fasted for 40 days, and that culminated on the second Sunday in April, which is the ninth there. And that was Resurrection Sunday. And what did we do on Resurrection Sunday? We celebrate the bodily and supernatural resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And on that Sunday, our fast ended, and we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus and just had a Jesus party, Jesus resurrection party. And at the end of that service, when we gave an invitation, we had two young men who came forward, and they prayed and received Jesus Christ right here at this altar. And we were all just blessed, and we praised God. It was wonderful. Amen. You remember that Sunday if you were here? And then two weeks later, we had three more people who were saved in the service. And one of them was Linford. 
And we don't know what all Linford knows because he's autistic and where he's at. But he came from his pew up to the front and wanted to receive Jesus. Praise God. And we had three people saved that uh, Sunday, which is two weeks later. And then the following Sunday, we had two kids saved downstairs. And so in a matter of three or four weeks, we had seven people saved, and we were just rejoicing and praising God and having the best time. We were having a Jesus party from week to week. Amen? I mean, it was awesome. It really was. And we got busy. We got to discipling people and helping people grow and helping people understand what it means to receive Jesus in your life. And they were making public professions of faith, coming before the body and giving testimony that they'd received Jesus as their Savior. They became candidates for baptism and church membership. And, man, we were busy around here. I was going around with my tongue hanging out. I mean, I was tired all of that discipleship, but it was a good tired. Amen? And then on the 21st of May, on a Sunday afternoon out at the Strickland Lake, we had 11 people who followed the Lord in believers' baptism, and we had another Jesus party on Sunday afternoon. Amen? We got them coached up for baptism, and they, even Linford. Now, Linford went at it uh, into Greece. When he first got there, he wasn't sure he wanted to be baptized. And then he finally got out of the car. <laughs> and then he made it to the tent. And then he finally made it to the water, and he had his goggles and everything on, and finally he th threw the goggles off and went for it. It was awesome. It was a wonderful day to see what the Lord was doing. And then on the 25th of June that I've got circled there, we had several people who were voted into the full membership of the church. It was a wonderful three months. Amen? Now, I want to ask you a question. Who's responsible for all that? Who's responsible for all that? The spirit of the living God and his son, Jesus Christ. He was calling people out of darkness into his marvelous light. And they were being saved and born again by the spirit of God. And it was absolutely wonderful. God was reminding us that Jesus is still in the saving business, the healing business, and the delivering business. Amen? Those three months, if I'm totally honest, I have to tell you, just kind of surprised me. The Lord just moved on us and began to move among us. And all I was trying to do is not mess it up. <laughs> That's it. Not mess it up because it was very evident that God was stirring among his people and drawing the lost unto himself. Hallelujah. Woo! Is that good or what? You know, sometimes you just got to thank God for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? You just got to thank God for Jesus. That's the kind of thing that he does. And he wants to do more of that. We probably were to fast three or four times a year. <laughs> Boy, that was mighty weak out there. <laughs> when you fast, you're letting the Lord know that you're serious about spiritual matters. You're serious about spiritual breakthroughs. And you want to see him work. All of us are pretty tired about what men can do. Amen? we got to get serious with God and let him know we're serious and depend upon him. But this morning, I want us to thank God for Jesus. That's what this message is about, thanking God for Jesus. And we want to thank God for Jesus in relation to verse 6, okay? 
I'm going to throw some good theology on you this morning. All right. First, we want to thank God for Jesus because Jesus is the way to God. Say that with me. Jesus is the way to God. And Jesus says in verse 6, Jesus saith unto Thomas, I am the way. Jesus says, I am the way. That word way is defined in Zodiac's word study, the New Testament words, way, path, or road travel. Jesus says, I am the road travel. Now, I want you to notice we skip over stuff very easily. What is the little three-letter word in front of way? The. The. T-H-E. In the Greek text, that is known as the definite article as I am the only way. This is a very simple statement, but I'll assure you that it is spiritually profound. Because Jesus is not saying, I happen to be a way to God. He is not saying, I happen to be a path to God. He's not saying, I happen to be a road to God. He is not saying, I am one of many ways to God. He is saying, I am the only way to God. That's what he's saying. It may be simple, but I'm telling you what, it is profound. He is saying, I am the only way to God. This is what we call an absolute truth. Our world does not like absolute truth. We like to move the goalpost. <laughs> we like to move the sidelines. We like to move the end zone. But Jesus is saying, I am the only way to God. I am the only way to heaven. Amen. All right. Does the Bible substantiate this? Well, as a matter of fact, it does. In Acts chapter 4, in verse 12, Peter is preaching along here to the Sanhedrin, to the religious leaders, and he says in verse 10, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here healed. And then in verse 12, he says, there is, there is, neither, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given whereby we must be saved. Does that sound like an absolute truth to you? Peter is confirming what Jesus is saying here. There is no other name under heaven given whereby we can be and must be saved. Jesus is saying, I am the only way to God. I read a little bit earlier from 1 Timothy where Paul said this. He said that God would have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ who gave himself a ransom for all to testify in due time. Paul is saying that there's only one mediator between God and man. And who is that? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He is the only way to the Father. In the book of Hebrews, 
Several times in the book of Hebrews, it tells us over and over and over about the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is greater than the angels. He is greater than the prophets. He is greater than Moses. No one is greater than the Lord Jesus. And then in verse 20 of chapter 10, he says, By a new and living way, Jesus hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. In other words, when Jesus Christ gave himself as a sacrifice for our sin, it opened a new and living way unto heaven whereby we could be saved and forgiven through what Christ has done through us through his sacrifice. Amen? And then again, Peter says in 1 Peter that Jesus, his own self, bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, and by whose stripes, the stripes of Jesus, we are healed in the name of Jesus. Amen? So there you have it. Jesus is the only way to God. Romans 4.25 says that Jesus died for our sins and rose again for our justification. To be declared righteous before God, you have to be justified. And the only way you can be justified and declared righteous before God is to open your heart and your life, repent of your sin, and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And Jesus will pay your sin debt for you, and your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you're set for eternity. Amen? And so Jesus is making an absolute truth here when he says, I am the way. The only way to God. Can I have a shout of praise and thanksgiving this morning? Amen. That is awesome. That is awesome. There is a story told about a fellow who liked to live dangerously. He liked to climb mountains. He liked to skydive. He liked to jump off of cliffs into water way down and that kind of thing. And then he got the hankering. He says, you know, I'd like to, to, to go and through a desert somewhere where a lot of people have died trying to get through there. And so he found a guy who had actually made it through there a few times. A lot of them had died there. But he paid a huge sum of money because he wanted to go through a very dangerous Desert area where very few people had ever gone. He, he, he's a risk taker. And so he paid this guy a whole lot of money. And they got on their journey. And there was a path that they followed for a little while. And then they got to a place that looked like this. And all the path disappeared. All the roads disappeared. All the footprints and the tracks disappeared. And with trepidation in his heart and, and a quiver in his voice, he looked to the guide and he said... Where's the road? Where's the path? And with a reproving look, the guide looked at him and said, I am the road. And struck out, and the man followed him. That is exactly what Jesus Christ is saying here as it relates to heaven. He is saying, 
I am the only way, the only road to heaven. Amen? I'm glad the Lord hadn't been confusing about this. <laughs> it may be hard to repent of your sins and surrender yourself to the Lord and receive Him and that kind. It may be hard, but honey, it ain't complicated. <laughs> Amen? So I thank God for Jesus this morning. Yes, I thank God for Jesus because He is the way to God. But He is also the truth of God. Say that with me. Jesus is the truth of God. In verse 6, again, let me find my place. Jesus says, Unto Thomas I am the way, and I am the truth. I am the truth, and no man goeth to heaven, no man goeth to the Father, but by me. The word truth here has a general meaning of anything that's not false or fictitious. Truth is that which conforms to reality generally. But in this context, this word has a, a, a specific meaning, a uh, religious meaning. What is true in things pertaining to God? What is true in spiritual things that are pertaining to God and the duties of man? Truth as moral and religious truth. Hmm. Jesus is saying, I am truth in spiritual things that relate to God. I am truth in morality and religious truth. Jesus is saying, I am the embodiment of the truth of God. Wow. Because he says this, I am the truth, definite article. I'm not just one of many truths. <laughs> I am the truth. I am the principal truth. I am the main truth. And when he says that, that is a claim to uniqueness and divinity. Think about that. Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the embodiment of the truth of God. I have come to share with you the revelation of God. I have come to share with you the truth that God wants you to know and wants humanity to know. Is that awesome or what? I am the truth of God. I am the embodiment of the truth of God. Again, does the Bible substantiate that unique and spiritual claim of divinity or of divinity in the name in, in Jesus absolutely in John chapter 1 and verse 1 I quote this a lot in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word there is speaking of Christ the Greek word is logos and when that word is applied to Christ it means that Christ is God's word, thought, concept, and expression thereof. And the main thing and the main idea is revelation. Jesus is saying, I am the revelation of God unto you. Woo. I am the embodiment of the truth. 
I am the revelation of God unto you. In verse 14, it goes on and it reads, And the Word was made flesh. And the Word and the Christ of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, unmerited favor, and what? Truth. Same exact Greek word. I am the spiritual truth of God to you. I am the truth that God wants you to know. I have come to reveal the truth of God to you that God wants you to know. I am the embodiment of the truth of God. Hallelujah. I'm not just any truth. I'm not just some truth. I am the main truth. He's the mystery of God unto us. That mystery in the Old Testament has been revealed in the New Testament. We have beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I am the truth of God. Man, I thank God for Jesus this morning because he's the truth of God. I could get happy about that. Could you get happy about that? Now, this is not the first time that Jesus has made a unique claim about divinity. In John chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He that believes and receives me shall never hunger. Hey, I'm not that bread that came down out of heaven, that manna that your forefathers ate and died, but he that eats this bread shall live forever. If you believe and receive in Jesus, you shall never hunger again spiritually. He will fulfill that hunger. I am the bread of life. Boy, that shook the crowd up when he said that. <laughs> there was a whole lot of debate about that. Do you remember what got them so upset, the religious leaders so upset? He claimed to have equality with God. <laughs> Blasphemy. He claimed to be equal with God. Blasphemy. And here he is saying, I am the embodiment of the truth of God. I am the revelation of God unto men. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world in chapter 8. He that believes and receives me shall never walk in spiritual darkness. In chapter 10, he says, I am the door. I am the door to the sheepfold. You want to go to heaven? You want to be a part of the people of God? You got to go through the door, Jesus Christ. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Hallelujah. In chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live in resurrection power. And then here, this is the sixth time he says, I am the truth. Woo, hallelujah. I am the embodiment of the truth of God. I am the revelation that God wants you to know. The Bible is very clear that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried according to the Scriptures. And that He rose again according to the Scriptures. Jesus died for us and He rose for us. And I thank God for Jesus. Amen. Because He is the way to God. He's the truth of God. I want to ask you this morning, have you received that truth have you turned from your sin and yourself and humbled yourself before the Lord and asked him to come into your heart and into your life and been, and been born again? Do you know that this truth, this salvation that the Bible speaks of is a gift? 
Have you received the gift of salvation? You either receive a gift or you reject it. Have you received the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ? He is the way to God. He is the truth of God. Have you received him into your heart and your life? Say, well, I didn't know it was a gift. Well, listen to what the Bible says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. There it is. It's the gift of God, and not of works, lest any person should boast. Amen? Have you received the gift of forgiveness and salvation? In Jesus Christ. Again, I thank God for Jesus. He is the way. Without the way, there would be no going. Without the truth, there would be no knowing. Wouldn't even know. He's the revelation. Without the truth, there would be no knowing. Have you opened your heart? Have you humbled yourself before the Lord? And have you asked Him to come into your heart and your life? Amen? Amen. But then... Jesus is the life of God. Say that with me. Jesus is the life of God. In verse 6, he says again, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the life of God. And he says in verse 7, if you have known me, you would have known the Father also, and have henceforth you know him and have seen him. In verse 9, have I been with you so long that you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Jesus Christ is the life of God. He is the revelation of God unto us. And if they'd seen the Father... Or if they'd seen him, they had seen the Father because the Father was in him and he was in the Father. Amen? Jesus is the life of God. The word life here is interesting. Life referring to the principle of life in the spirit and the soul. This word is distinguished from physical life. This word is a nobler word expressing all the highest and all the best which Christ is and which Christ gives to the saints. We are given the very life of Christ in our mortal flesh. When you receive Jesus Christ, when you repent and turn from your sin and yourself and ask Jesus to come into your heart and your life, you are born again by the Spirit of God and Christ comes into your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. We receive the life of God in our literal flesh and now we are alive with the Spirit of God. And Jesus is the life of God in us. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, or the rule and reign of God in our hearts by Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has come to give us a different life. Personal salvation is defined in this way. When you are saved, you are regenerated. You got a brand new spirit. That's right. You got a brand new spirit by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Titus 3 5. 
You are regenerated. You receive life. You receive blessing. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives within you to quicken your mortal flesh and make you alive. The spirit will make the word of God come alive to you. The spirit will make Jesus come alive to you. There'll be a manifest presence of Jesus in your life. You are regenerate. You're not the same person you used to be. You're regenerate. You got a brand new spirit. Bible says that we're born again. We got a brand new life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I am come. Not only that you might have life, but have it more abundantly. That you would experience the abundance of Christ in your life. How? Through the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. The life of Christ in your surrendered flesh. He will reproduce himself in and through your surrendered life. The circumstances will not hinder the flow of the Spirit of God if you walk in proper fellowship with him. He will reproduce himself and produce himself in and through your, your surrendered life, and you will experience the life of God in your surrendered flesh. Amen. The Bible says that when you're saved, you're a new creation. You got a brand new position before the Lord. You're no longer dead in trespasses and sins, but you're made alive through Jesus Christ our Lord. If any man is in Christ, he's a new what? He's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. How is that possible? Because you have received the life of God in your mortal flesh. Jesus lives within you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you walk in the Spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And when you abide and yield and obey Jesus... His fruit will be produced in your life, and you will bear it, and you will be blessed. Amen? What are we talking about? We're talking about the life of God. The life of God in our surrendered flesh. I want to praise God for Jesus this morning because he is the life of God in us. A couple of weeks ago, I was called to the bed of a dying man. He's, I think, 77 years old, 78 years old, something like that. He's one of these uh, victims of the mesophilioma that you see on TV from Camp Lejeune in Florida. Florida. North Carolina, seen on TV all the time, where all of these Marines got poisoned by being there at that camp because groundwater is poisoned, all like that. Well, he almost died in the hospital a few weeks ago in intensive care. And his sister-in-law talked to him about the Lord a little bit, and they didn't think he was going to make it out of the hospital, but he got well enough to go home. He went home, and then they sent for me and wanted me to come and uh, minister to him a little bit and try to find out where he's at and all that. Long story short, as we prayed through the gospel, talked about the gospel, and prayed through the, the facts of the gospel, I asked him if he wanted to receive Jesus Christ as his Savior, and he did. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so uh, we went back the next week to start some discipleship with him. Can't do much because he can't hold out for about 10 or 15 minutes at a time. But I wanted him to have the assurance that he's saved and that he's born again. And I, 
got a, tr a table and pulled it right up beside his hospital bed. And I got my Bible out there and I got my wife at the end of the bed. And she's got her Bible out there and she's reading scriptures for us. And we're working our way through the first lesson on discipleship. And he's doing great. He perked up enough to where he could get through that. And he's answering his, uh, uh, the questions. And we're studying the word of God together. And then he makes this statement. And he says, you know, this stuff gives you a different perspective about life. <laughs> you see, the life of God was already beginning to work in him. I could see the evidence that there was a regeneration. That the Spirit of God had beginning to change his thinking. He's seeing things differently. Why? Because now he's spiritually alive towards God. Yes, he's on the end of his life. But now he's got Jesus in his heart. And he's seeing life differently. Why? Because Jesus is the life of God. On the way home, we were talking to, uh, uh, about that experience. And it's challenging sometimes. He couldn't hold out for about 15 minutes. But he did good. And then Donna says, you know, when you do that, you come to life. When she reads the scripture, she's come to life. Why? Because it's the life of God in us. And when you believe the truth and you speak the truth and you live the truth and you obey the truth, the life of God will manifest in you as his child, as his vessel to minister to people, to manifest the grace of God and the blessing of God all around you. Hallelujah. Man, I thank God for Jesus this morning because he is the way to God, the truth of God, and the life of God in our surrendered lives. Amen? Listen. Without the way, there is no going. Without the way of Jesus, there is no going. Without the truth of Jesus and Jesus revealing to us, there is no knowing. And without the life of Christ within us, there is no living. As we live in obedience to him, we can experience the life of God in our flesh. Amen? His presence, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Let's load up on the pleasures. How about that? The spiritual pleasures of God. His love, his grace, his blessing, his sustaining power, his encouragement. Need to be encouraged? Oh, let's load up on them this morning. As we walk in the truth of the life of God in us. Amen. So I thank God for Jesus this morning. Can you thank God for Jesus that he's your Savior? All right. Well, let's do it today. Okay? Let's do that. If you're here and you have not opened your heart to Jesus, and you can't thank God and say, you know, Jesus is my Savior, I invite you to come to this altar. Surrender your life to the Lord. We'll lead you in a sinner's prayer. And you can receive Christ as your Savior. Listen, you don't have to come by yourself. You can ask somebody to come with you. They'll be glad to come with you. The important thing is, is if you are willing to confess Christ and willing to ask him to forgive you, and come into your heart and humble yourself and turn from your sin in yourself and come to him, he'll save you. And then you'll be on the road to heaven as well. Amen? I mean, let's bow.